So, Father, I, I thank you, Lord, that you are God and we're not. Thank you that you gave us all this teaching in the Word of God and that you even gave us teaching for how to pray, a model prayer to the apostles, to the disciples when they ask for instruction. And so we thank you for that. And I pray, Father, that you would just help us to look at what we're going to look at today and that you would... Uh, just speak through me, and that if anything, as always, if anything is not of you, that I say that it would fall to the ground in front of us, and that which is of you would pierce our hearts. And the church said, amen, amen, glory to God. So we're looking at the model prayer, what I call a model prayer. A lot of people call it the Lord's Prayer, but I have, you know, I don't know if it's my rebellious nature or what it is, but I, I call John 17 the Lord's Prayer, okay, where Jesus really prayed. And prayed an amazing prayer there. We'll probably look at that someday. So Matthew 6, 5 to 13. When you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners. That they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door. And pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need and before you ask him. See, dear, and this thing that, that Chris was talking about with this woman. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive those who forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I, I find it extremely interesting that Jesus started this section of Scripture by teaching from the negative, warning us not to be like the hypocrites who like to go out in public and pray so that people will praise him and go, oh, aren't you spiritual and aren't you holy and, and all this. Or the Gentiles who say lots and lots of words that mean nothing. Then Jesus became positive and said, go into your prayer closet if you want to have some really good quality time with the Lord. And I think part of the big reason of that is because when you go someplace where there's no distractions, you won't be what? Distracted. All right, and then last week we looked at verse 9a, our Father in heaven, which we talked about is not a petition. But think about that. I, I hope you're, you're really um, mulling it over, rolling it over and over in your mind that he who created everything, he who created everything, chose to come to people who as Isaiah put it, whose righteousness is his filthy rags and work it so that we can call him Father. That just, it, well, it drives me to my knees. And there's times I've, I've wept over that. 
it, it, it just pierces my heart, and I hope it pierces your heart because it, that's, that's just amazing. That's the God we serve, that he has that kind of love, that much kind of concern that he wants to enter into a relationship with all of his children to the point where, where he is our father. And he is the perfect father because he's always there. He nurtures us. He takes care of us. He keeps the deer from hitting hope. He just is an amazing father. He's unlike any other father that's ever been. And the beautiful thing of what is being said here, Jesus gives us permission to call him father. The God of the universe, we can call him father. That just mind-boggling to me and then the first petition we looked at last week was hallowed be your name holy is his name see and as we pray that hallowed be your name what we're doing is we're calling god and we're calling his name holy we're calling his name holy but there's so much that's in the name that if his name is holy therefore god is holy and what we're doing is not only calling them holy, we are showing the utmost of, of respect, the utmost of reverence, the utmost of awe to this amazing God who is our Father. So let's move into the second petition today, which is what we're going to talk about. Matthew 6, 10a. Three extremely powerful words. Maybe the three most powerful words, they're right up there with the words that Jesus uttered on the cross, it is finished. Three words, the briefest of petitions, and yet they're so comprehensive. As I was looking at this, I began to wonder about something. I began to wonder if within us, when we're born, and as we grow up, if there isn't a desire within us for a sovereign, capital S, were we born with it? To honor someone who is so huge and, 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 and so big and so powerful that we're willing to admit that he is over us and we're willing to submit to him as a supreme authority in our lives. Plus the desire that who he is and what he's about and his glory would be manifested here on earth. <coughs> I think we were all created. Every human being was created the desire to be under the rule of a sovereign, capital S. Unfortunately, some of us walk it out and others different and others don't. And I think you can see there's a difference in fruit in those who do and those who don't. I'm not saying those of us who do have arrived, but we're Walking down the path. I mean, have you ever watched an event on television 
and watch all the pomp and circumstance of uh, uh, surrounding a queen at, at, a, at, a, at a royal wedding? Or, or the coronation of a, of a king and all the pomp and circumstance that goes on? Or even the funeral. Remember Princess Diana's funeral? The majesty of it all. It, it, it's just powerful. The, the clothing that they wear, the, the, the jewelry, the decorations, the decorum of the whole thing, everything about it. How they carry themselves, how they interact and, and respond to each other. The respect that the sovereigns, little less, are given by others. I mean, when these things happen, millions and millions and millions of people in this country watch. I mean, when, when Diana with all passed away and with her, her funeral, with all the pomp and circumstance and everything went with it, it probably was one of the top most watched programs around the world, much less this country. Yet we as a country chose to leave that form of government, right? We chose a republic, not a democracy, but a republic where supreme power is held by the people and those they elect over submission to a sovereign, a little less. All too often, many have no desire to serve a sovereign capitalist. R.C. Sproul tells a story about a guy named John Guest who came over from England to preach the gospel in America. What? Aren't we the ones who are supposed to send out and not? But one of the first places he visited was Philadelphia. And during that trip, he visited some shops and he saw signs like, don't tread on me and no taxation without representation. He found those interesting. But the one that shook him up the most when he saw the sign that says, we serve no sovereign, capital S, here. He stopped in his tracks, and he thought about that. And he, this is the thought that went through his mind. How can I possibly preach the kingdom of God to people who have a profound aversion to sovereignty? Because our God is sovereign. I mean, think about that. Is that where we are? I mean, did our running from a king to start this country, to, to, to rejecting a king, to uh, rejecting a sovereign little less, instead to, take a, to, to set it up to where we'd be a republic, did that impact us in our, on how we approach Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Your kingdom come. That's what we're supposed to pray. I mean, think about some of the people with royal, royalty nicknames. It shows us that it's always interesting there. I mean, John F. Kennedy's president, do you, presidency, do you remember? It was considered Camelot. William Basie, who was a, a, a great jazz pianist, he was count, called Count Basie. Edward Ellington, who was a, a composer and a, a pianist and, and a band leader, was called the Duke. And of course, John Wayne, we all know what his nickname was, the Duke. Elvis Presley was known as what? The King. And George Washington 
when he was president, was encouraged to become the king of the United States. And he said no. I just find this all interesting. I mean, I'm giving you a little insight into how my mind works from time to time. And I, I think about these things, and, and I think about how does that impact the gospel? Especially when you take that guy's guess, and he runs across that, I serve no sovereign. I find it interesting. But I believe we were created serve a sovereign, capital S, and his name is Jesus. To be in relationship with the triune God, to sit at their feet, to listen to them, to, to obey them, to, to, to spend time with them, and, and, when, and when we get our marching orders, to walk them out. A sovereign leaders that we could submit to and trust. See, they didn't trust the sovereigns in England. That's why they came here, because they wouldn't let them worship. It's basically the church of the Anglican church or nothing. But we have a sovereign, and his name is Jesus, and he's the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. And as we talked about last week, I really believe God wants us to really go after him, to pray. Jesus, come Jesus, to fill our hearts, to, to fill our minds, to heal us. Because in him is everything that we need and a lot of what we want. Because there's no one like him. See, we have a choice that we either, either love Submitting to this supreme authority, or we rebel against them. Maybe our country's past did jade us and push us towards rebellion. I know it did me because until the Holy Spirit came and convicted me, I wasn't the least bit interested in serving a sovereign. I was all about me, baby. If it felt good, do it. See, rebellion can and does lead to the rejection of a sovereign capitalist because we wanted to do it, want to do it our way instead of God's way. But there's precedent. What, what did Israel do? They didn't want God to govern them through a prophet. They wanted a lesser king like all the other nations. 1 Samuel 1, 5b. Now appoint for us a king to judge us like all the nations. See, Israel rejected Samuel. But what did God say? And they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. And they wanted a human king who was fallible. Even though Samuel explained to Israel that he will take, take, take. And unfortunately, we see that today. Scripture tells us that God will do just the opposite. James 1, 7. 
Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. God gives us all good and perfect gifts. And I don't think there's anybody in this room that can disagree with that. I don't think there's any believers that can disagree with that. See, Jesus knows what works best. God's kingdom. It's perfect. That's why Jesus is telling us in this section to pray, you know, because remember, Jesus is explaining all of this because the disciples say, hey, teach us how to pray. And he's teaching us, pray your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. One of the saddest things to me is that today there are a myriad of people, millions and millions, maybe billions of people are rejecting his kingdom. And we know what the fruit of that is. And that should break our hearts. And you see it because the proof is in the pudding. There's, there's anger. There, there's rebellion. There, there's unrest. There's arrogance. That's why we must double down and do what Jesus said to do and pray, your kingdom come. It's a simple prayer. We can pray it 40 times a day and it only take about a minute out of our life. Ever thought of it that way? But he wants it to come here on earth in men's and women's hearts. Talk about a good and perfect gift. We need to be praying. We all know people who have rejected the kingdom of God, who have rejected the king of the kingdom of God, Jesus. And we need to be about praying for those people. I've had people that I have prayed for, known people that I've prayed for, that I really never shared the gospel with. Now, they probably saw I was a little different. They knew I was involved with the church and so forth. But they would come to me and say, Who's this? tell me about this Jesus person. So ask God. I, I challenge you to ask God for a list of five people who don't know him. And just lay those, lay that list out wherever you spend your quiet time. And just repeat their names. God knows. We must pray that people would turn from the kingdoms of this world to the kingdom of our God to turn from the kingdoms that take, that rob them of joy and peace and all the fruit that God has for them and instead settles for the kingdoms that take to the kingdom of God which gives and blesses. Yes, there's a fascination with royalty. Many humans, though they have that taste for royalty, they have an aversion 
to authority and submission, which goes along with serving a sovereign big S, even to a supreme authority like God. See, there's this attitude out there, I'll do my own thing. But sadly, all too often we find that in the church. I'm in charge of me. You're not in charge of me. i the boss of me. You're not the boss of me. I know what is best for me. You don't. Anybody here guilty besides myself and having that attitude? That's why God has set us in relationships. That's why God has set up the government he has. That's why God has established the church the way it is. You know, I saw this thing the other day on wherever it was, Facebook maybe, but it was this same person who was addressing those who chose to have church online. And it was really a, a good thing. I can't remember everything, but I remember that part of it was how do you develop relationships? How do you have people speak godly things into your life? I guess you can Facebook somebody else. I don't know. But people, even followers of Jesus, can struggle with submission and authority, rebelling against God's orders, his commandments. And then they'll pass it off like, but we're, but we're under grace. Read Romans 6, 1 and 2. Shall I sin all the more? <laughs> My interpretation of that I will not say. <laughs> I might tell you privately, but I'm not going to say it here. But, but yes, we're under grace, but we're also accountable before God in what we're doing. We don't want to be against this government as Israel was. We don't want to even have a Jezebel spirit is what some people would call it. That's why Jesus faced when he stood before Pilate explaining the truth in John 18, 36a. And Jesus answered, no, I'm not coming here. Basically, I'm ad-libbing here, but not coming here to establish a kingdom on earth, I'm coming here because my kingdom is not of this world. Because it's a spiritual kingdom. And what was the response? Give me Barabbas. Crucify him. Out and out rebellion. But Jesus tells us to pray. Your kingdom come. Asking God to establish his order in the church, his kingdom and beyond in a manner that reflects God's reign in heaven this very day. So you might be asking the question, what is the kingdom of God? See, one could be tempted to say it's the whole world, it's everywhere. That's the kingdom of God. But the truth is, if that were so, then why did Jesus indicate in Luke 21, 31 that it was near? And in John 18, 36, that it was not of this world. When we accept Jesus, when a person accepts Jesus as their Savior, they are immediately a citizen of the kingdom of God. 
which Jesus came to establish. Because God appointed him the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So God's kingdom is something that's going to be ruled by Jesus, right? I mean, the kingdom of God is the government universal dominion of God. It's the place where God rules through Jesus. It's the place where our Father demonstrates his holiness. It's a spiritual kingdom. And our call is to seek first the kingdom of God. Always seeking the spiritual before the natural. Now, as we do that, oftentimes the spiritual leads to the natural. I mean, you know my priority system is God first. Not spouse second, child third, days of our lives 47th. But if God is first, if we truly are seeking the kingdom of God, then we're going to be the best spouse we could ever possibly be. We're going to be the best children we could ever possibly be. We're going to be the best adults we could ever possibly be. We're going to be the best friends we could ever possibly be. Because we're going to be following him and doing what he tells us to do. And let me tell you, there's nobody that's more concerned about husbands loving their wives or wives loving their husbands or children having a great relationship with their parents or parents having a great relationship with their children than God. I guarantee it. And your position and role within the church. We are always to seek the spiritual before the natural, which exists wherever God and his reign is found. Matthew 6, 33, hey, reading from the New Living Translation, seek the kingdom of God above all else. Let's see, what's the interpretation of that? We are to pray, your kingdom come. But we don't leave it at that, we're also to seek it his kingship, his authority, while submitting to his authority first above all else. And then go as he sends us to tell the world about the kingdom of God, of, uh, the, the kingdom of God. to go and tell people about this love that Jesus has for them, to go and tell them, people what kind of, how God wants to use them as, as this amazing example of a, of a wife, to go and tell them whatever God tells you to tell them. That's why Jesus sent his Holy Spirit and gave us power. We have power. And many gifts like the nine, you know, the nine that's in 1 Corinthians 12. So we can serve, witness, show hospitality, forgive others, be used of God to bring deliverance and bring healing. So we can repent and on and on and on and on so this kingdom comes. Now the world of kingdom is the Pharisees and the people and even the disciples thought. Acts 1 6. Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? How did he answer that? Amazingly, not about anger. I probably would have said something like this Hey, guys, I've been walking with you for three stinking years. Don't you get it? I mean, what have you been listening to? I was talking to you, the top 20 on Spotify. But instead, because God's a lot more gracious than I am. He said this in Acts 1, 
verse 7 and 8. It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. God gave them the power of the Holy Spirit so that they could be as witnesses in their local area and beyond, which will build the kingdom of God. And guess what? God has given us that same power so we can be witnesses here in Jefferson City and Cole County and beyond, also building the kingdom of God and his church. I mean, do we see what kind of privilege that is? That's, that's just amazing. I mean, I mean this is, there's so many things about God that blows my mind, and this is one of them. He trusts me. I remember the first time I was sitting and, and just meditating upon him, and I heard him say, Gary, I trust you. You know what I did? The same thing as Abraham's wife. I started laughing. I did. I, I'm serious. I started laughing. Do you know who I am? You know, the same stupid thing I said when I was walking down High Street and God says, I want you to start a church in Jeff City. And my response was, do you know who I am? Aren't you glad when we respond in ways that are less than we should that he doesn't go, <laughs> God gave us the power of the Holy Spirit. And we're called to walk in it, to seek it, and then build his church in the kingdom of God. To be a spiritual kingdom. Yet even here, the kingdom of God. All starting with prayer. Verse 9, I'm going to read from the New Living Translation this time. May your kingdom come soon. Again, using the gifts that God has given us. I, I love what uh, what Brenda was sharing before about, what was the name of the group again? Yeah, Pandria JC. You know what I'd love to see? I would love to see enough people that each person only has to do it every other month. Sow seeds into the kingdom of God. Using the gifts that we have been given. The whole purpose, so Jesus' kingship occurs. Because you know something? His kingship is not for down the road. It's for today, this very moment. Yes, it's in perfect order in heaven. But Jesus brought it to planet Earth to share. And now he wants us to pray it in for today, praying that we and our leaders hear correctly and submit to his authority, also letting our light shine while lifting up Jesus to draw all to him. So God's power will become more and more visible, more and more evident. So let's pray. Let's lift up Jesus. Let's follow the Holy Spirit as he leads. Let's lift him up, up our Father while telling of all, telling all 
of his sovereignty, capital S, and of his holiness, as we talked about last week. And then he's our father, as we talked about last week. Because like so much of what the teachings in the Bible, these things build as they go through. And they will see that as we do what God has called us to do, they will see a demonstration of the kingdom of God being built. They will see that Jesus is our Lord and that Holy Spirit leads us. They will see that we would rather be radical than comfortable. And I know that's a tough one, but it's true. So we're not citizens of, of this world, but the kingdom of heaven. Phil, Philippians 3.20a, New Living Translation. But we are citizens of heaven. You know, all of this is like Columbus going to a new land, but infinitely better. Or, or the Puritans coming to America, but infinitely better. When we were born again, we became citizens of a new and glorious country. A glorious country full of the triune God. Full of his salvation, his joy, his peace, his patience, his kindness, his goodness, his faithfulness, his gentleness, and self-control, and just his very presence. So let's walk out our calling. Let's walk under our authority and anointing. Let's choose to be used by God. He trusts you. Say that. I, God trusts me. Now, now say it like you mean it. He does. He trusts you. And he knows you're going to make mistakes. But what he also knows is this. That your heart is hard after him. That you desire to serve him. You desire to walk under his anointing and his authority and recognize him as your sovereign, capital S. So let's walk it out. Let's be used by God. And let's pray and demonstrate who our father is. Can somebody go down and get Ross and Taylor and the kids, please? And then the worship team can come on up.